right, welcome into Farzcast. Farzine Vasugin here with you. Hope your week's going well. Man, it is a lot has happened. It's been a while since we've last done a podcast. Feels like a long time because of some of the things that have happened, which we're gonna get into. Um, I'm gonna keep this podcast short. Because we have one tonight, well, it's going to be, it's Tuesday night, as I, late Tuesday night as I record this, but most of you are probably listening on Wednesday. And then we've got another episode on Thursday, I will get into that in a moment. Uh, some things I want to talk about, really just one primary topic I want to discuss, but I've got a lot to say on it. It is the big story out there, which has been now removed by the Chiefs Kingdom Editorial Board. I'm sure you guys have all either read it or you guys get the gist of what that story was. I've got a lot to say on that. And then following that, someone named Rich Ornberger. I guess he played in the NFL. I'll be honest, I've never heard of him. Don't really care about his past accomplishments. But he works in sports media now. Uh, at the big level too, uh, as big as Fox Sports Radio and does some local stuff, he made up some story about Patrick Mahomes apparently telling his family not to attend games, and he believed it, according to his quote-unquote source, and uh, that opened up a big can of worms. There's a lot to talk about on this episode with journalism and with podcasting, blogging, a lot of that to get into here. Uh, you guys, either for those of you who've known me for a little bit, you guys probably know a little about me in this realm. For those of you who've been following me for a very long time, as early as 2007, you guys know my backstory with podcasting and blogging. Been podcasting and blogging ascent pretty much... Uh, when people started hearing about pod, pretty much in an era when podcasting and blogging was frowned upon heavily. Now they're highly accepted, but still uh, receive some criticism. And stories like this are why. And then we got a journalist out there, someone in the actual media who made up a story and kind of represents why. A lot of people don't like the media. I've got a lot to say about all of this. Uh, I appreciate those who've been patient. I, I was going to do a podcast over the weekend and then on Monday night, and I just was not ready to do a podcast Monday night. Sunday, so here's what happened. I was going to do this Sunday. I actually was going to do this on Friday. This, this is how many times I have delayed my podcast. Um, went on a last-second getaway trip, just a short trip. Uh, figured, hey, why not? Much needed. Did that, came back. Um, I, re I got my treadmill. I talked about this on a podcast before where I have been without, without a working treadmill for three months. And after multiple parts being sent by freaking Bowflex, and then they send these technicians they hire from another company who, by the way, multiple technicians came and all of them failed at trying to figure out the solution. Nothing worked. In fact, they got worse. I was without without a treadmill for three months. It got to, listen, I'm a patient guy, but then it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm out of patience. I asked to speak to a supervisor, and when he saw my list of issues that I've been having and how many parts have been sent, he kind of, before I could even start my story, even explain the issue, he goes, dude, you, we just need to send you a new treadmill. Like, So thankfully they did that, but 
even that got delayed. The uh, shipping date stayed on February the 7th, but took a week later. I mean, the date didn't change. It, it was weird. Bowflex uh, has been making all kinds of excuses as to why they're not getting shit out there to their customers, paying customers. And then, uh, of course, the company that they hire for repair installations, they don't get back to you, even though you call four times. So I just had to do the whole thing myself. I'm not by myself. I got some help carrying it down. It is not, for those who don't know, the T22 Journey Treadmill, awesome machine when it's working, as well as the bike. And I believe they have a an elliptical version of this as well. Fantastic machine. I've talked about this before. Um, but so many moving parts to it. Uh, the insulation wasn't that difficult, um, even though it's there's a lot to it. just takes a while. Um, but taking the actual base, the treadmill, the part you run on, that definitely needs multiple people. Uh, or if you've got one of those straps, you can just do it with one other person. I recommend three, even four people if you can. Even then, it's pretty hard with the doorways and all, how narrow those can be, <laughs> especially with some of the hallways I have here. But it is right here to my left. I am really glad I got this uh, treadmill going again. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I, I've already used it three times in 24 hours. I've used it five times. I got, I got it built together late Sunday night, and I've used it five times already since then. Three times in the span of 24 hours. Sunday night, Monday morning, and then Monday after work. That's how much I miss this treadmill. <laughs> so... You never know, uh, you know, how much you'll miss something until it's gone. Um, and boy, three months just getting the runaround basically from Bowflex and their techs, lying techs. But anyway, you guys are not here for that. Uh, real quickly, before we move on and talk about these uh, topics about media, journalism, podcasting, blue check marks on Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, Thursday night's podcast. I am very excited for this. Uh, someone who I've been wanting to bring on the podcast for a long time. Uh, already talked to talk to him. We've got a date pinned down. Uh, was going to do this last week, but he had something come up. Uh, but we've got a, a date pinned down. It's going to be Thursday night. Bob Kendrick. If you are from Kansas City or if you follow baseball closely or both, if you're familiar with the sport of baseball or more specifically the Negro Leagues Baseball uh, League, then you know who Bob Kendrick is. For those who don't know, Bob Kendrick is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum right here in Kansas City. He also hosts the Black Diamonds podcast, which basically doesn't necessarily cover the history of, like, they don't go over statistics and the greatest players ever in Negro Leagues uh, baseball history, but they really do a great job outlining the history and, and the players who paved the way for other black players uh, in baseball and all of athletics today, um, such as Jackie Robinson. They actually did a two-part episode on Jackie Robinson. Could not do it all in one episode. Uh, so it is a fantastic, almost like a documentary podcast. I've never really listened to a documentary podcast before. And this is one of those on SiriusXM, though it's available on many platforms. SiriusXM does a fantastic job with the podcasts they produce. So uh, if you guys have not, please go check out Black Diamonds. Bob Kendrick is going to be my guest on Thursday's podcast. So I'm going to try to keep this podcast as short as possible. Thursday's podcast is not going to be that long either. It'll be relatively short. Uh, so two podcasts this week, two for one, uh, for those of you who uh, can't get enough of Farce guests. I know a lot of you guys are just dying for episodes of this podcast. So, hey, why not? Two for one this week. Very excited. Bob Kendrick is going to be coming on 
Forest Cast later this week. All right, let's get into it because I really have a lot to say about what went on in a 48-hour time span with good old Chiefs Kingdom out there. Um, okay, uh, the, this Chiefs Kingdom editorial board, some are calling it an article, a post, a blog. It was on a website called Medium. I've never heard of Medium before. I know that, uh, first of all, I'll go ahead and put a name on this, even though they didn't put their own name. Marty McDonald. Okay, he's been on my Chiefs podcast multiple times, and he uh, and I did an interview on Bleacher Report in 2012. Marty is the founder of Save Our Chiefs. Uh, Save Our Chiefs, as you guys may remember, in 2012, they were the fan revolt. They're, I mean, they claim it's the greatest fan revolt ever in sports history, and they they also claim in this article that they put about Eric Bieniemy, they claim that they helped reestablish a connection between NFL owners and fans. I don't really know if I agree with that. Um, Marty did reach out to me um, and thank me for being, because in the, oh, I'll get to that in a moment, but Marty reached out to me and just kind of thanked me for being maybe a little nurturing on this subject because uh, he's gotten a lot of blowback, which I'll get into. Um, Marty, so here's my thing. I was buying into this article, blog, whatever you want to call it, because if you remember, they put out two stories on Tyreek Hill. They don't, I mean, this is not a go-to for Chiefs news, exclusive Chiefs content. Um, Marty, when I talked to him back in 2012, he told me off the record that, uh, Pioli and Cornell were on their way out. He told me this early in the, in the 2012 season, uh, before you know the 2012 season was considered bad. But I suppose a lot of people could have still saw that coming. Um, but I remember Nick Wright reported something later in the season that got a lot of attention. But Marty mentioned it to me before Nick Wright mentioned it to the public. Um, Marty wrote this, and I don't know, there are multiple people involved in this, I know. Um, they wrote a big story on Tyreek Hill in 2019. If you guys remember, that is when the child abuse allegations came out. We still don't really know what exactly happened with that, but, uh, that was when they basically brought to light some situation, basically some of the ongoings entire Hill's family uh, involving Crystal Espinal and what she has done to create some conflict. They mentioned um, extortion and sure enough, she, Tyreek Hill, according to channel five and other media outlets, they did report that, um, that Tyreek Hill was suing his ex fiance for extortion. Uh, they also mentioned that sports radio, a 10 and KCTV five, uh, Sports Radio A10, they got a lot of flack because of Kevin Keatsman's comments about Andy Reid's son when comparing this to the whole Tyreek Hill investigation. And then KCTV5, they completely misled the public in a heavily edited, only playing bits and pieces from an 11-minute audio clip, only airing two minutes of it, but again, showing bits and pieces of it, making it seem like they all happened consecutively. And um, Marty and his team, the Chiefs Kingdom editorial board, as they say, uh, they mentioned that Channel 5 and Sports Radio A10 were about to lose their exclusive partnerships 
with the Chiefs, and that's exactly what happened. So I was pretty confident that they were spot on with everything they were saying because in the past, the things that they have said have been true. Um, Things that no one else had uh, any information on. Now, I listened to Sports Radio Sports Radio A10's reaction to it. All three shows, by the way, from St. John and Bucati to uh, Jason Anderson to Soren Petro. Soren Petro actually mentioned my name in this, and I'll explain why I'm going in and attaching Marty's name because Soren did, um, and that's actually why he mentioned me. Uh, I listened to all three of their shows. I did not listen to all of them, but in the first two hours, they all touched on this subject heavily. And you actually learned a lot about about the whole situation. It kind of made me kind of open my eyes a little bit. It made me think, okay, maybe this is not a trustworthy... This whole thing is not very trustworthy. Uh, Benjamin Albright, who is actually a very good source for Chiefs... uh, Actually, all NFL information. He does sports talk radio out in Denver... Uh, covers the Denver Broncos. That's a great job. He's been on my, I'm on my Chiefs podcast a couple of times. But full disclosure, Ben, I reached out to Ben in, when I was in college. Really, I can't say enough nice things about the guy. I don't know what Chiefs fans have against him. He, he actually grew up a Chiefs fan, but not that it matters. He does a good job of hiding his bias. Um, I did not know he was a Chiefs fan for a long time. Uh, but he, uh, I reached out to him, just asking him uh, if he... Uh, just so, just for some advice in the journalism world. Because, you know, I'm still in college doing some journalism work while also studying. And he um, he said, hey, man, if you ever have any audio clips you want me to critique, please send them my way. I'll, I'll gladly do so. Now, to my own stupidity, I never did follow up on that. But I know he would have gladly done so uh, and would have... Um, happily critiqued it and give me his honest opinion on on whatever it was I sent him. I'm sure he's done that with other up-and-rising journalists, college students. So I can't say enough nice things about Ben. And uh, a lot of people respect his... Um, just 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 basically him his involvement in this industry, in sports media, and specifically the NFL. Uh, I listened to Ben's radio show, and he confirmed that... 75 his words not mine 75% of what was in this piece were true and I'll get into some of that in a moment he did say some of it he did not know but 5% of it were false now these the chiefs kingdom editorial board playing journalism here you should never aim for 75% accuracy. If you're going to be posting something like this and making a lot of claims, claiming to know certain people, you got to go for 100% on this. Otherwise, I mean, this is not a good look on for you. Um, why am I attaching Marty's name on this? Because Soren Petro did. Soren Petro, again, by far the best radio host we've had in Kansas City. And there have been some good ones. Nick Wright, uh, Danny Parkins. Don Fortune, Stephen St. John, uh, he went ahead and mentioned uh, my name because he did some research because the article did mention Save Our Chiefs. The Chiefs Kingdom editorial board, in the beginning of their article or blog post, whatever you want to call it, I'm just going to call it an article. I may say something else later on, but you guys know what I am what I mean. Um, they were already defending themselves at the start of this, trying to make sure, trying to justify everything that they were about to say in this piece. Uh, they even w- went so quick to defend Mahomes and, and say 
and say he did not throw the game. <laughs> because that is a thing out there on good old social media. Um, but they got a lot of blowback. Uh, Soren Petro did some research on this when they when they mentioned Save Our Chiefs. And then I did not realize this, but if you Google Save Our Chiefs, one of the very first things that come, the second or third thing that, that does come up is my Bleacher Report interview with Marty. And so Soren mentioned me. He mentioned I was a former intern at A10. So appreciate the shout out from Soren. I, I, by the way, they got my last name right. They actually did not know how to say it, but uh, they they guess and they got it right. So uh, for those who've, who've been longtime listeners of mine, Petro was a frequent guest on my Chief Zone podcast. So I'll be honest, I have lost uh, touch uh, with Soren Petro. I've been able to listen to him more since he's late in the afternoon. So sometimes when I get off work, I'll listen to... I'll listen to uh, Sirius XM or ESPN Radio, uh, but I feel like now in Kansas City, uh, 2 to 6 p.m., a lot more listenable when it comes to sports talk radio, uh, and specifically A10, only A10, uh, not the clown station, uh, not the other station. Uh, I mean, you have talking heads screaming. Into, why are you screaming into the microphone like a maniac? I mean, get some Adderall, for crying out loud. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Um, so you guys know what happened. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. They put out a lengthy, very detailed piece on a supposed strained toxic relationship between Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes, and basically how they didn't see eye to eye on so many things. A lot of interesting claims were made on this. One of them in which detailed a specific conversation between Mahomes, Reed, Mike Kafka, the quarterback's coach, former quarterback's coach, who's now the Giants' offensive coordinator, and Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I, I guess they were all conflicted over a specific play call. Andy Reed was saying to run this. Bieniemy said, no, what the fuck? And Kafka said, uh, we're blowing this. And Mahomes said, either uh, call the play or I fucking will, or, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. They deleted the piece, or not deleted, they unpublished it, I should say. Um, it's still, uh, but, but there are a lot of screenshots out there. So, that was very interesting, and they got a lot of criticism for that. Uh, they also got a lot of criticism for claiming that Andy Reid told television production crews to not film Eric Bieniemy during games. Which, if you watch games, it's very common in between plays for, let's say the Chiefs' offense is on the field and the Denver Denver's defense is on the field. It's very common in between plays for Eric Bieniemy to be shown on the sidelines and whoever the hell Denver's defensive coordinator is uh, to be shown in between plays. Uh, they also made a claim about something something being in Eric Bieniemy's contract where he can overrule or override Andy Reid when it comes to game prep. And apparently he did exactly that leading up to Super Bowl 55. I guess Mahomes and Andy Reid, th- those two, and those two alone, um, they came up with a big game plan for Super Bowl 55 against the Bucs. Uh, which I know is not the uh, most uh, memorable. It's more forgettable than memorable. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, but I guess Eric Bieniemy had the power to overrule Andy Reid on this and completely erase the game plan and come up with his own game plan. The article also claimed that there were several sources, some of which were, quote, high-profiled players on the team. 
Uh, they mentioned that despite conflict with Eric Bieniemy, the reason the Chiefs haven't parted ways with him is because, quote, optics. Uh, basically saying it would look bad on the Chiefs to let go of a black offensive coordinator who has struggled immensely to land a head coaching job in the past four years. And how many people have pointed out the color of his skin and why that might not be a reason why he's getting a job. So they received a lot of pushback on this. Like, how was Mahomes able to talk back to the coaches on the headset? Because uh, the quarterbacks don't have a mic on their in their helmets. Um, now, there is a clip online from the Denver game, I think from week, or eight, week 18, the one that got flexed to a Saturday game on NBC where Mahomes spoke, was shouting back at Eric Bieniemy, and if you can read lips, he says, call the play or I will. So, but they're claiming this exact conversation happened in the AFC Championship game. Now, I'll be open-minded here. Maybe it's happened on multiple occasions. I don't know. Uh, by the way, there are people out there who are, and when I say people, I'm talking media outlets. They're not confirming what was said in this piece, but they are open to the possibility of this. Here's the issue. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. People are taking issue with how they say it. They're, they're defending the Chiefs Kingdom editorial board. They're defending themselves from the get-go. And they are trying to put out their credentials, saying that Marty used to... The, they don't mention Marty by name, but they're saying the founder of the Chiefs Kingdom uh, editorial board, uh, they... Um, they used to work for a couple of online media outlets, uh, fantasy football media outlets. By the way, uh, to, I did not mention this for clarity. Save our Chiefs. Yeah, they flew the banners and all that stuff, uh, trying to basically pressure Clark Hunt to turn the team around. When they hired Andy Reid, they changed from Save Our Chiefs to the Chiefs Kingdom. They just, they just created their fan page as the Chiefs Kingdom on Facebook and Twitter. So, just some clarity there. Uh, anyway, they got a lot. I mean, basically, people push back. And I did not see this, but after all the criticism on some of the things they claim to know, they made a lot of edits on the article. And after 14 hours of publishing the post and bragging about how they got 50,000 views and how one of the uh, one of the uh, members of the editorial board took his day off work to help publicize this. They went ahead and unpublished it. So these people are claiming to know all these people within the organization, high-profile players, people behind closed doors, the same people who gave them all the inside info on the Tyreek Hill story, which they were spot on about. Um, they, they're, they're claiming all this and they still stand by everything they've reported, but they decided to remove everything. Um, it's not what they said, sort of. It's, it's how they said it. Claiming all these things. Listen, these guys are, everyone, everyone is a fan here. Okay. So everyone wants to know what is going on exactly with Eric Bieniemy in this whole situation. I, I get that. Everyone wants to know. Um, by the way, Sergeant Petro did a fantastic job of 
going over this. Uh, he actually read the entire article word for word um, before the edits. Uh, because by the time he was on air, you could not refresh it. Otherwise, you would lose the article. Because if you click on the link now, it's gone. You can't You can't see it. The sources part, I mean, it's weird. Uh, by the way, in addition to mentioning their credentials uh, with Save Our Chiefs and the Tyree Kill story, they kind of took a shot at the media by saying that other media outlets won't cover this story um, because they want to make a profit for things they do and not get in trouble. And they actually mentioned the Kansas City Star by name. The sources part is, is a thing that was weird for me. Um, because, they're, they're, again, they're claiming they've got some big-time sources on this piece. Uh, they mentioned high-profile players. They mentioned details they claim to know in Eric Bieniemy's contract. There are not a lot of people that actually know what's in Eric Bieniemy's contract. There aren't a lot of people that know what's in an assistant coach's contract. So how... They got the inside scoop on Eric Bieniemy's contract is very interesting to me. Uh, this is where the conversation kind of expands to podcasting, blogging, and social media. Soren Petro mentioned this and said, hey, there are some good podcasts and blogs out there. There are also some bad ones. And this is where I want to get in and kind of expand on all of this because I, you guys know where I come from. I come from the podcasting and blogging world, more, more so the podcast. A lot of people know me for the Chiefs Zone. You guys know the story. I started the Chiefs Zone back when it was called the Chiefs End Zone Show in 2007. There was no other Chiefs podcast. The only other Chiefs podcast was, was Bob Gretz's podcast. Again, for those of you longtime readers of Chiefs News, you guys know who Bob Gretz is. He, it, it wasn't like a show podcast. It was just like a 60-second daily Chiefs News podcast. That's all it really was. Uh, it was literally 60 seconds. That podcast was not a show. Mine was the first actual show on the Chiefs. Now, back then, the word podcasting was heavily frowned upon. Like, if you told the Chiefs, hey, I have a podcast, I'd like press credentials, or I'd like to interview a player of yours, they would basically tell you to go fuck yourself. Today, if I call the Chiefs up and say, hey, I have a podcast, I'd like to talk to a player, they'll actually consider it. Now, they'll consider more prominent podcasts before mine, but you get the idea. Uh, podcasting today, far more accepted uh, than 2007. Now, there are people with podcasts and blogs, and they basically do a shit job. There are others who do a great job with podcasts and blogs, and Listen, I'm not here to toot my own horn, but I'm here to make a point. I'd like to think, given my track record, I did a really good job with my podcast, and that opened up a lot of opportunities that, had I had it not been for my podcast, I would have never gotten any of these opportunities. For instance, writing for 435 Magazine, it used to be called 435 South at the time. I think they've rebranded a couple of times. I don't know what it's called now. But I wrote an article for them at the age of 17. At the age of 18, I was writing uh, articles, for, a couple of articles for Kansas City Sports and Fitness Magazine. Uh, and because of these things, that quickly got me into Bleacher Report in 2011. And a lot of people know me best for my Chiefs podcast and for my Bleacher Report blogs. I had two stints with Bleacher Report. Um, I went. I transferred to the University of Kansas, and uh, they have a very competitive media outlet, student-run media outlet, and uh, 
given my experience, I mean, I was already a journalist at the time. They gave me the the, the football beat. Uh, I was able to call, cover football and basketball for their radio, uh, TV, and uh, newspaper outlets run by student uh, students, student-run uh, media, uh, which there are some positives and negatives. A topic for another time. Uh, students who want to get into this, like if you're a freshman at KU and you want to become a journalist, if you want to get involved with the sports side of things in the newspaper, what the first thing they're going to say is, okay, what do you want to cover? You want to cover volleyball? You want to cover swimming? You want to cover the softball team? Do you want to cover um, cross country? Like they don't give uh, transfer students in their first year or freshmen any like that. You don't get to cover basketball and football. I was very fortunate to where my experience with prominently podcasting and blogging being the essential reason why my first year at KU, I got to cover football and basketball. I did not have to wait till two years in to be able to do that. There are a lot of students at KU. I mean, they work their asses off as freshmen. And if there are a lot of Juniors and seniors, well, they got to get in line because, and sometimes they may not have that opportunity to cover football. Even though the football team's not great, it's still a big deal for a student to be able to cover a Big 12 football team, an NCAA football team. Covering the basketball team at KU, I mean, I don't, I don't even need to explain to you how big of a damn deal that is. Um, you guys know KU basketball and what that stands for. Like that, the name KU basketball alone, everyone knows how big of a deal that is. So again, just trying to explain um, the uh, the big deal with that. When it comes to when it comes to this stuff with podcasting and blogging, you can take. Full advantage of this. And by the way, the resources I had in 2007 when I started this podcast, nowhere even close to what it is today. And again, just saying, you know, I'd like to think, given what I did. And by the way, after um, after KU, I mean, I immediately got hired by... It was weird. It was within like a two-week span. I got hired by... Bleacher Report, again, I went back to Bleacher Report. I mentioned two stints with Bleacher Report. Um, this time I actually got a paying job with Bleacher Report, which was nice. Uh, 610 and the Lawrence Journal World. So three uh, publications. And again, a huge reason for that is because of my past with podcasting and blogging. Uh, it also got me opportunities to write for the Kansas City Star. Uh, I did not do any sports stories with the Star, but... You have to be flexible in this world, especially early on in um, in the media world uh, when it comes to entry-level jobs. I was very fortunate. When it comes to entry-level jobs in media, you have to start in small towns. We're talking Atchison, Kansas, uh, McPherson, Kansas, Springfield, Missouri. Like We're talking areas that have minor league teams. Uh, and you have to basically go there, prove yourself, prove you can do a good job of covering those teams before you can go to a place like Kansas City or St. Louis or uh, Houston. You get the idea. Um, 
you got to build your way up. And I was very fortunate. I did not have to. I would listen. I was not willing to take a small town job. I was not willing to take an actual entry level job. I was very lucky out of college. I got entry level jobs in Kansas City and Lawrence. Like that does not happen. I'm telling you, it hardly ever happens. So I was very fortunate with all of that. And again, I owe that to my past with podcasting and blogging and essentially to a lot of you guys who supported me over the years. Because again, had it not been for that support, that would have never happened. Unfortunately, in times like this, when there's a blog post like this that was fact-checked very easily by fans and local media, uh, it gives podcasters and bloggers a bad name. And this is why there are still some naysayers when it comes to podcasting and, and blogging. There are still a lot of radio hosts and newspaper writers and editors who like to shit on podcasts and blogs because they are they do pose as a threat. Listen, there are people in Kansas City who are doing four hours of talk radio right now. Okay, think of the pandemic when sports were not happening. And I'll be honest, I was not listening to sports radio at the time. So, but I kind of wish I was just to see what the fuck were they talking about? Because in Kansas City, there are three shows at 810 and three shows at the Clown Station, and they each have four hour shows five days a week. So that's 20 hours of sports talk radio. What the hell are you talking about for 20 hours, especially? Right now, when there's not much going on, okay, there's some Chiefs news. Like, for instance, Anthony Hitchens just got released. And there's rumors about Orlando Brown getting tagged. And KU just beat K-State in the good old Sunflower Showdown. By the way, I never want to see those jerseys ever again from KU. Ugliest jerseys I've ever seen, but I suppose those jerseys still look better than the football program. Um, and with baseball not... I mean, I don't know what's going on with baseball right now. No one really does. What are you talking about for four hours? Podcasting is a much more lenient, laid-back medium where a podcaster can go at his own schedule. You don't have to go four hours a day like these guys do uh, here in Kansas City. And I know it's different in all these other markets. Some people do a three-hour show. Some do a two-hour show. Um, I don't know why... Sports Talk Radio in Kansas City is the same. 6 to 10 a.m., 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and 2 p.m. to 6. Uh, that 12-hour window. Um, other markets have it differently. Someone might get a three-hour show. Someone might get a two-hour show. So I don't know why it's different in, um, in other markets. Or in, in Kansas City, it's specifically uh, why it's that way. Um, I mean, two different radio stations. Come on. But here's my point, Okay. There are, again, there are people out there like me who've done some good with podcasting and blogging. They took advantage of that platform and managed to get a foot into the industry. There are others who've tried really hard but don't really do a good job of it and they don't ever get in. Uh, you get internship opportunities from this. Uh, I, I entered at 810 in Metro Sports um, and quickly got out whenever I felt like the time was right. Uh I actually had a high school classmate who interned at Metro Sports for two years, hoping he would land a job. Uh, we actually had some local journalists 
coming to our community college, Johnson County Community College, to talk to us. And he actually asked him, he goes, hey, I've been interning at – because they allowed uh, students to ask questions. And he actually asked, he goes, I've been interning here for two years. What do I do? And one of them immediately said, dude, they're using you for free money. I mean, they're just using you for free money straight up. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are people who do not get an opportunity until they intern somewhere. Now, I did my internships at local media outlets, and there were um, there were others who did that as well. And I was fortunate I had other uh, work experience where I was able to use that as... As clips, essentially, is what they call it, to prove to editors or program directors that, hey, uh, you are capable of doing the job. Because th- that's how they uh, judge you on whether or not they want to hire you. They say, okay, show us a five-minute uh, radio sample. Where we're going to listen to that. Or, and they'll just pick a random spot sometimes when they want to listen to you. Um, they'll uh, they'll just pick a random article from, uh, from your past and they'll... Um, by the way, the uh, recruiting coordinator for KU's journalism department, he knew who I was. And full disclosure, for those who are high school students wanting to get into a university, I can't speak for every department from any university, but I can say for sure at KU's journalism program, at least the coordinator who was there, and I'm sure they try to keep that same deal they knew everything about me when I uh, went in for my visit. After I got my acceptance letter, they required you to make an appointment to visit if you can. Um, I was certainly able to. It was It's a 40-minute drive from where I am. And when I met with the coordinator after I got my accept- acceptance letter, he was asking about my podcasts and my blogs. And he knew everything. And I went back to a mentor of mine uh, from high school who I was able to work alongside with her. Uh, at a, when I was at Johnson County, she um, she works with kids with special needs, and I was able to um, to uh, work with those kids as well. Very eye opening experience. But I asked her, I said, "How in the hell did they know all of this about me?" Because I, I when I applied, I never mentioned any of this. She goes, she quickly listen. If you Google my name, it's I mean you're not going to find another another person out there. At the time, she pulled up her computer next to me and said, well, let's take a look. Let's search your name. And immediately the first things that come up were all the blogs, all the articles I've written for the magazines, all that stuff, Bleacher Report, 435 Magazine, and my podcast. So they, I mean, these people will do background searches on you. I I mean, that's their job essentially, right? Uh, Because they don't want to accept a student. I mean, if they pull up a student and they find his Facebook and you just see them at parties and Get always getting into trouble. If you find criminal records, they're sure as hell not going to accept you, because their goal is for is to have students accept students that will graduate, uh, because they want a high graduation rate. Again, all of this is because of my accomplishments in this world of podcasts and blogs. Uh, meanwhile, when you have journalists who like to shit on podcasts and blogs, there's a journalist out there, Rich Ornberger, who received a text message. And I guess this person texted a lot of people in the media and just said that Patrick spoke to his fiance and his brother, Brittany Matthews and Jackson Mahomes, and told them not to attend games next year. Okay, full disclosure, uh, on Sports Radio 810, they said two sources. I... When I was in college, they told us three sources, but multiple sources is the key word here. When you receive 
some information like this, do not run with it with just one person. Uh, a few years ago, I broke a story about the UFC coming to Kansas City, and that was that became a huge deal. It was the first time the UFC came to Kansas City, so that was a big deal. I did not realize how big of a deal it was because the local media did share it. Um, what I did, though, is I, res- I saw a rumor about this, and I went and confirmed it. I actually was lucky with the sources I got. Couple of them were UFC fighters. I won't say by name, but and they all asked to be uh, anonymous. But it ended up all being true. Uh, again, the clown station I referred to earlier—they called it fake news, uh, which is interesting. Half the staff went, uh, reported on it, and mentioned my reporting. Uh, some of them actually plagiarized and actually read everything I wrote word for word. So that's funny. And then others called it fake news. So funny how that all works. But you get the idea. Um, they, uh, the, uh, the story was a big deal and I did not publish it until I had multiple sources confirm the date and all that stuff. So you gotta, when you receive exclusive information like this, such as, Hey, text message from a random number. I have your number, by the way, you don't know who I am, but I'm here to tell you Patrick Mahomes told his fiance and his brother not to attend games in 2022. Really, like, someone is actually going to believe that bullshit for a moment. Like, I, I did not need inside sources to even tell you how horseshit that is. Um, but Rich Ornberger believed it. And so he tweeted about it, and Patrick Mahomes shot it down real fast. And I think he even referred to the Eric Bieniemy. Tyreek Hill turned down the Eric Bieniemy story. Uh, basically laughing at the rumors out there. Doris Fountain also refuted it. Um, Mahomes said y'all, uh, his tweet was, y'all are making stuff up. Could be in reference to multiple things. The uh, family story and the Eric Bieniemy story. <laughs> um, I, I do want to go back to the Brittany Matthews thing in a moment, but sticking on this, look, Podcasters and bloggers get shit on by by some people, even to this day. But we have journalists, such as Rich Orenberger of Fox Sports Radio, who just put out fake news. He's got a blue check mark next to his name. And he, he spread information that was false. By the way, I don't know why there is some big obsession with blue check marks. There's a guy out there from Kansas City. I don't know his name. Jason something. He put out a massive lie out there about how Patrick and Brittany went to a uh, went, went to get pizza somewhere. And when they dined in, nobody bothered them. Nobody approached them for an autograph, picture, nothing. Which is impossible to believe. Like, really, no one would bother Patrick for a picture here in Kansas City after all he's done. Um, and then Patrick and Brittany got up and left. The story is they got up and left. They turned around and told all the other uh, customers, we're paying for your meal since you didn't bother us for a picture. And then they left. Really? People are believing that? Um, by the way, that got fact-checked by the local media. Um, and I know a couple of people in the local media, and I, I've been told they contacted the owner of that restaurant. That never happened. They were at the restaurant, but they never paid for anyone's food. Um, 
it's just crazy how, you know, if someone has a podcast or a blog, you cannot believe a single word they say because they don't have a blue check mark. But then when you have blue check marks breaking news out there, they're not always reliable with this. But I had um, Patrick Mahomes' agent, Lee Steinberg, on my podcast a few years ago, and I, I, I did not expect this to happen. <laughs> um, it was completely out of my control. Uh, Lee Steinberg said Patrick wants to stay in Kansas City for for life. I mean, for his entire career. That was before his uh, contract extension, the big contract extension he got. I was not prepared for the local media to write about it. Almost every TV station in Kansas City wrote about it. And there were TV stations in Topeka and Wichita that wrote about it as well. And I'm sure there were other nearby Midwestern... um, Markets that wrote about it as well, and they mentioned my name and my podcast, all that stuff, and I got a lot of questions, a lot of emails. Uh, what else did he say? I'm like, listen to the damn podcast. Um, you already know that he mentioned this part, and then the part about 15 in the Mahomies that was mentioned on my podcast before anywhere else. But still, even though it was mentioned, people were saying, "Oh, it's fake news. It came from a podcaster." Um, if you read some of the uh, comments on the Facebook pages for these TV stations that wrote about it on their websites, people were still refuting the comment Lee Steinberg made simply because it it happened on a podcast. Um, so you know uh, where we are with podcasting and blogging today. It's accepted, but not by everybody. Meanwhile, journalists out there, they're still... Uh, they're not 100% with accuracy. By the way, I do need to say something because I get labeled as a journalist by by people. I, it doesn't happen as often because I've shut it down so many times. It still happens today, just not as often. But anyone, whenever someone says, hey, I love, I love your post, I love your page, you're one of my favorite journalists, I mean, I, I immediately appreciate them for the kind words, but I real quickly tell them, dude, I am not a journalist. I'm not um, an analyst. I'm not a. I'm not an expert. I'm not any of these things. Like people have given me those labels. I don't know why. I've never claimed any of them. I'm just a writer, or or preferably a blogger, for Arrowhead Addict and Cage Side Press for now. And I don't really have any aspirations to go any further than that as of right now, or probably ever. But whenever anyone calls me a journalist, listen, I'm not a journalist for Arrowhead Addict. Arrowhead Addict is not journalism. Sure, maybe you can do exclusive interviews with certain people, but that doesn't make you a journalist. Um, I've had exclusive conversations on this podcast with many people. You guys know it. Uh, For those of you listening, that doesn't make me a journalist. No, never claimed any of that. I will claim if I have an exclusive interview or some content that you might not find anywhere else, but I'll never call it journalism because it's not journalism. Um, Some people disagree still. Some people say I'm part of the media. I'm part of the Chiefs media because I write about the Chiefs and I post about them. Uh, Someone mentioned I have a lot of followers and that makes me part of the... Listen, by the way, I'm not one of those people who take social media seriously. I know people who know their social media account uh, to the exact number. And they also follow real closely who follows who. Real, real quick story. I had a friend in college. Uh, long story short, we just met a few girls. So, so some some cool cats. 
at a bar, hung out with them, exchanged social media information, numbers, all that good stuff. And I guess one of the girls unfollowed both me and my friend months later. And that that friend of mine goes, hey, uh, so-and-so unfollowed you and I. I'm like, okay, if she unfollowed you, <laughs> I get that. But why do you know that she unfollowed me? Anyway, I just had to get that out there. Like, I, I don't, people, people mention followers. Um, look, I know I've got 3,000 some followers on Twitter and 20,000 some on, 20,000 some on Facebook. Uh, I don't consider it a lot. I know I'm verified on Facebook, both my page and my personal account. I don't even know how that happened. Uh, my mom... I guess I had the blue mark for for my Facebook for a long time. <laughs> um, my mom even asked me. She goes, "How are you? How are you verified?" I'm like, "What do you mean verified?" Like we we had this weird back and forth text conversation about this. It, it took a screenshot from her end to explain what she was trying to say. I'm like, "Oh, I didn't even know I had that." And then one day I got I just got it one. I broke up on my personal account was verified. So uh, I'm not verified on anything else. Don't care to be. Uh, I don't even know what it does, honestly, uh, other than just public perception, really, which, again, I don't give a shit about. But uh, this whole deal with journalism and blue check marks, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can believe stuff, you can choose not to believe stuff, but. Just because it doesn't come up from a blue check mark doesn't mean it is or it isn't true. Obviously, if there are ways they can prove it, you'll obviously believe it. Obviously, if it comes from someone that has a proven track record, a good track record, you're 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 uh, obligated to believe what they're saying. I'll be honest; I I kind of believe what they were saying at first, given their very brief but spot on record. But this one. Uh, they got fact-checked way too much. There's a reason why they unpublished it. They claim that they unpublished it because of racist comments about Eric Bieniemy. They even shut off the Twitter replies. And they uh, actually, Marty locked his Twitter account, I noticed. Because I was going back checking out some of his tweets. Um, yeah, they, I, I think this is one of those situations where they got so excited for whatever. I believe they received information. I do. Um, I just think they did not decide to verify it with multiple people. I don't know. They say they have a lot of sources, so who knows? I think they got very excited and wanted to run with it. Uh, they mentioned Ted Cruz by name, not the Texas senator. Um, this is the uh, the vice president of um, communications, of PR, essentially, with the Chiefs. So I thought that was interesting. They mentioned him by name. I don't know why, but they did. Uh, I, I tried very hard to get Marty on this podcast. He declined. Uh, he said he wants to lay low, which, okay, fine. Which I find interesting. I, I mean, they're, they unpublished it, and now Marty is uh, private on his Twitter account. But he was so excited. He and his editorial board were so excited to get this out there. Um, yeah. I, listen, Marty's a nice guy. I, I, he, we've gotten to know each other a little bit. Uh, but I think um, this is one of those where he didn't think twice before he spoke. And listen, if he's right about all of this, which I don't think the Chiefs will ever confirm, but if he's right about any of this, or all of it, I should say, I'll come on here and admit I was wrong. 
Um, he did tweet that Eric Bieniemy would be back a few weeks ago, but then that tweet was deleted. Some of you guys brought that to my attention. I thought that was interesting. So I don't know, man. Uh, it's very important to be cautious about some of the information out there, which sucks because, you know, I do fall in, into the category of podcasting and blogging. Now, I don't ever, I don't ever claim to have exclusive information like this. And if I ever do, and listen, I've been told things by people over the years. I don't ever run with it. I will only say what I can prove. And if I can have a source, say it. For instance, Lee Steinberg saying Mahomes wants to stay in Kansas City long term and the uh, charity that he was about to start. I did not even bother saying anything. Other people picked it up, but uh, I didn't even think those were newsworthy, honestly. But from that point on, I've just always learned I'm not going to claim anything unless uh, I can prove the other person said it, such as this podcast or uh, any kind of recording device when I do an interview. Which I've I've done uh, recorded interviews for uh, written public uh, publications such as Bleacher Report, The Star, whatever, because um, I can never memorize uh, uh, quotes off the bat. I know some people don't even use a recorder and they quickly write down quotes that they think are prevalent to a story. So, not me though. I can't do that. Okay, real quickly, I want to talk about this whole uh, Brittany Matthews thing. Because Mahomes uh, was seen front row at, at a Texas Tech game. And I guess he took his arm away from Brittany. And I guess he said something. They didn't have the greatest looking. They didn't have the happiest face in the world for that 20 seconds they were on TV on ESPN. And that pretty much blew up. <laughs> Listen, I've said before, I've talked about the family. I've talked about the Mahomes family on here. I think there are things that they have done that truly deserve criticism, criticism, such as Brittany going after opposing players when they hit Mahomes hard. It's a physical sport. You have to be okay with it. Um, Jackson Mahomes dumping water on the fan and then dancing on Sean Taylor's number. I mean, that the, the, the Sean Taylor number thing, that is not cool at all. Uh, and then him trying to pick a fight with a uh, small business here in Kansas City, the small bar in Kansas City. I mean, what are you doing? Obviously thinking he's above everyone else because he's Patrick's brother. Randy Mahomes, the mother, she has been. She put out a tweet once insinuating there was family drama and even tagging Patrick and Jackson, saying no one will understand the pain I deal with in the family. Or something along those lines. Basically, she was making it very clear there was family drama. And she tagged her two sons. Why? And then in the Super Bowl, which by the way, I fully agree that family is off limits. Now, the Mahomes family, I mean, they're all public figures. They're all, I mean, they've got massive followings on social media. Um, but... In in the uh, Super Bowl 55, Randy Mahomes was criticizing the refs and then went after Giselle and tagged her in criticizing the refs. Why are you going after Brady's wife for the Super Bowl? I mean, Giselle's a way bigger person than Randy Mahomes will ever be. But this whole family off-limits thing, that applies both ways. Just because you are... The family member of an athlete does not give you the right to go after any other family members of an athlete. 
Um, so listen, this family has done some stupid shit because they don't know how to handle this public persona or this public uh, fame, so to say. I don't think they know how to handle it. They've done a very poor job of it. And it, it, their their age is not an excuse, especially the uh, Jackson and Brittany. I mean, there are a lot of people in their 20s, a lot of people who are famous to family members uh, in their early 20s, and they don't even do this stuff. Um, the whole, like, dancing on TikTok and screaming into your phone whenever the Chiefs make a big play, like, that's just weird. It's silly, but it's not harmful. I don't care much for it. The champagne thing, uh, I mean, I would not want alcohol poured on me, but hey, listen, given the what happened in those 13 seconds, I, you could pour hot lava on me, and I'd be cool with it, especially given how cold the game was. Uh, but thankfully, I was not at the game. Uh, I, I, I I hate games in the cold. I, I'm more of a I, – I, people ask me why I don't go to games. I like game, I like to watch mostly from home, but I digress. Um, so listen, I think the Mahomes family, they've done things that deserve criticism. As long as you're not making it personal, it's not, as, as long as you're not attacking them personally, I think it's okay to criticize them depending on what they do. Brittany complains – when she gets talked about, she even wrote a tweet after the whole champagne thing. She wrote, I wish people would not always talk about the things I do. Well, don't film yourself every single goddamn second. Um, listen, Brittany even posted a picture of her stepfather uh, when he was on his hospital bed. When there are nurses in the background, they look like they're working to um, to try to save his life. Long story short, there was an incident where Brittany's stepdad uh, suffered a heart attack at the stadium and they rushed him to the hospital before the game could even start. And so, therefore, I believe she and her mother went to the hospital. Um, and that was when Patrick could, did not do any media after the game. He actually left to uh, to be with his family, which is understandable. Um, but she posted photos uh, that I mentioned online and she deleted it. Because of all the criticism she got. Like, why are you posting that online? It, it was interesting. It was weird. Um, the Mahomes family, I feel like they have struggled had it on handling the fame. Which is weird because Patrick's done a fantastic job at handling this fame. He was just out there uh, doing an interview with this bowl game. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember what it was called. But it was to help promote some of these up-and-coming football players. Uh, he's done a lot of great charity work, and Brittany and Jackson have gotten involved with some of that charity work, which is great, and it should be noted. But man, them sitting front row and having a maybe a not so happy conversation, like that's not news. Like it's not like there was any violence. Like if if something terrible, extreme happened, sure that needs to be written about. But man, they're just fucking sitting front row at at Patrick's alma mater. Um, it's okay to to mention it. Like hey. Mahomes is sitting front row. ESPN show. ESPN will show famous people at sporting events. That is not uncommon. But to make such a big deal out of it like Barstool Sports does. And by the way, I don't get the deal with the media wanting to say, oh, certain websites talk about Patrick. Just say Barstool Sports. We know what you're referencing. Um, but some people like to make a big deal about it, like Barstool Sports. Yeah, it's obsessive. Um, but listen, I suppose if you're Brittany... They've always said uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. I mean, she's got a bit. 
let me just pull this up right now because I know Brittany does a lot of exercise work and she also sells some apparel online. Let me just look. Bear with me, Brittany Matthews. So she's got 1 million followers on Instagram. Let me just see Jackson for a moment. Jackson's got 260. Okay, I mean, still a lot. But Brittany actually sells apparel online. So I'm sure all this does is benefit her in the end. But to make such a big deal about their personal relationship, and by the way, shout out to Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star. He wrote a fantastic column talking about all these people who are way too obsessed with Brittany. I agreed with him on 99% of everything. Um, I did say that, listen, I still think some of the things they do is worth criticizing. I mentioned those things before. Not going to repeat it again. Sam McDowell was spot on in his column when he talked about, quote, social media dunces who essentially make comments to or about someone they would never say in person to their face. Sam McDowell best put it, quote, while tucked behind the safety of an iPhone screen protector. I, I mean, you could not be any more accurate with that. You, you just couldn't. And listen, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm oblivious to this. I, I mean, these people are no one special. People get all upset when I block them, which I don't know why. I always think that's kind of... I'm flabbergasted when that happens. Because I'll get tagged. Oh, hey, this person's complaining that you blocked them. And all I do is chuckle and laugh. Um, people will still follow you. Like, even though you're blo- you blocked them, they will still follow your posts. Uh, either through a burner account or just they'll log off so they can see what you post. You know you're doing something right. When they go the extra mile to still try to see what you post. If they cannot follow you, they follow you without following you. You know you're doing something right when they do that. So, listen. I mean, Sam McDowell is spot on with all of this. I mean, people who like to shit on Britney for no reason. The physical shaming on her and the uh, homophobic comments about Jackson, not acceptable at all. I have said this in the past. There is no reason for any of that. Listen. I know... Brooke Pryor, when she, I, I don't know her, I, I should clarify. When she was in the Kansas City Star, she was not a very good reporter. And I think whenever she did something that was not, when she didn't use journalism ethics, it deserved to be criticized. However, and I have said this multiple times on social media and on my podcast, what's unacceptable, the people who were fat shaming Brooke Pryor. No room for that at all. There's no reason for it. People wanting to, I mean, the people who wanted to fat shame Brooke Pryor or physically shame uh, Brittany Matthews, like, and a lot of these are men too. Like, can a man really be that proud that they're on their iPhone? As Sam McDowell best put it, tucked behind the safety of an iPhone screen protector, you're on there and you're shaming a woman. Like, the women in your life should definitely be ashamed. Now, I don't want to just pin this down on shaming women. I think people in general, when they try to shame someone else for no good reason, I mean, they don't have a good reason, either because they're blocked by someone or someone does not follow them back or someone doesn't respond to them. There's, um, There's some radio host out there who was shitting on the Royals because they hired... Sam Mellinger from the Star, longtime columnist of the Star, he got a he uh, replaced, and I cannot remember his name, a longtime PR uh, member of the uh, Royals. 
um, gosh, I can't remember his name, but he retired. So Sam got a, an unexpected opportunity to go replace him and he took it. And the guy was shitting on the Royals for it, but he never gave a good reason for it. And pretty much speculation was, oh, you probably reached out to Sam for an exclusive interview and he probably told you no or ignored you. Like those, like people have like the most unjustified reasons to want to shit on someone. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Listen, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Brittany Matthews and Jackson Mahomes. I've criticized them without attacking them. You can criticize people, by the way. If people do this in politics all the time. If they don't like a certain politician, which you know is predominantly men, uh, although there are a lot of women still involved in it, but the men involved. People will, if, if you don't like that politician, you'll sh- uh, physically shame their 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 wife. Like, why? W- why is that, like, the go-to to, to uh, criticize a politician? I've never understood that. Um, you can criticize anybody, a public figure, a, an athlete, a politician, without making it personal. Um, I've done this many times. I've criticized a lot of people without personally getting into it with someone. I mean, I mean, listen, I see people on Twitter who maybe have disagreements, and this is part of the reason. I, I love talking to my followers, uh, but I've, I've kind of slowed down on that because some conversations just don't end up friendly because if you disagree with someone and you post facts – it resorts to personal attacks with idiots you don't even know. They won't idiots who won't even say it to your face. By the way, I'll tell you right now. I've had multiple incidents where I've been, I've been told something by someone on social media, and I'll block that idiot. And then those same people will confront me that I blocked them on Twitter. I'm like, okay, well let's see, let's hear you say the same thing, and they don't do it. Some one of these people, by the way, is a member, a former member of the media, and I confronted this person. I said, "Hey, you got anything you want to say now? We're, now that we're face to face." Kept walking, had nothing to say. So, I have the evidence, okay, that people don't have the guts to say it to your face, but we'll do it, you know, on their laptop, their tablet, their their smartphones. So that's funny how that works, right? Very, very funny how that works. Sam McDonald's had a best, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I get it. Patrick's a superstar and all, and Brittany's now also a big star in her own way. But they're just sitting front row at a game. I guarantee you, if Patrick Mahomes is ever seen walking down the streets of downtown Kansas City without Brittany, Barstool Sports is going to write a headline, oh no, a divorce could be on the way. Patrick is without Brittany in downtown KC. Like, like it's getting to that point now. Like, if, if Patrick's without Brittany anywhere, that could be written about and, and twisted in some weird way. That's been the theme of the podcast, man. Um, journalism, podcasting, blogging. There's a lot of good from all three of those, but there is also a lot of bad from all three of those. It's up to you to really decide and got to use good judgment what's good and what's bad. All right. I went on a little longer than I wanted to, but I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. Farzi Vasugian, facebook.com slash Farzi Vasugian. That's the Facebook page. Appreciate all of you guys who have been on the Facebook page, uh, which has been awesome lately, even after the uh, season 
uh, is over for the Chiefs and the Super Bowl. You guys are still on there killing it. So thank you guys so much. At Farzine21 on Twitter, so please follow me on there. Reminder, Bob Kendrick, the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, will be my guest on Thursday night's podcast. I will stream it live 8 o'clock on my Facebook page, so be there. If not, it'll be on the podcast. It'll be archived for you guys to check out. Hey, thank you guys again for listening to this episode of Farzcast. I will see you guys in just a couple of days. Take care. Take care.